Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of Inglorious Artists. This time I'm talking to actor Robert Bengtsson, who can be seen right now on stage in The Book of Mormon in Copenhagen. This is a long one, so without further ado, this is my conversation with Robert Bengtsson. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much. You are, you're based in Stockholm, right? Yes, Usually. that's my base. Yes. But you're from down here somewhere. Uh, I come from Trelleborg. Ah, yeah. Uh, Trelleborg. Even more southern than this. Yes, it's even more so. It's, um, uh, I was born in uh, Colombia, in South America. All right. And I was adopted, uh, I was adopted by very Swedish parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, I grew up in Trelleborg. Mm. How old were you when you were uh, adopted? Uh, I think six months when I got oh, here. Yeah, okay. 1975, 76, somewhere around there. And my mom has a lot of stories about when I arrived. I got lost somewhere on the way. and Got lost? Yeah. <laughs> so they did. <laughs> my mom told oh. me that I got lost. I don't know, somewhere in. Paris or something. I don't remember. All oh, right, so, so they you, lost track of me and stuff. You were like mail order. They yeah. didn't. They didn't go to get you. No, they they went they went down mm. and uh, and saw me and uh, got everything set up and uh-huh. then they went home and then I traveled with um, a nanny or something mm. uh, and somewhere around. I mean, this was back in the day when everything was analog. There was a lag on everything. Yeah. Uh, so I got lost somewhere and my dad had to go back to work and my mom was still at the airport and stuff waiting. Mm. Word. Uh, yeah, so that was like weird. Uh, so all, you know, from, from the beginning, I was, um, I was a hassle. A weird again. <laughs> and you continue to be a hassle all through. Yeah, I've always been, I've always been, um, I think I've always been rocking the boat. I've always been very loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's always been like a... If there's one guy in the class that can be heard, mm-hmm. it's me. All right. Uh, and uh, not necessarily, it necessarily wasn't a good thing all the time. Mm. Uh, some of the stuff I said and did was probably rubbish. Uh, but some, I mean, some, I think some good stuff came out of it. Mm. But the creativity, I think. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's uh, perfect to be a stage actor with that background. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started uh, as a musician. Okay. Because uh, yeah. I had, um, I was very active as a child, and my mom and dad wanted me to focus on something. So they uh, had me play violin, uh, which I did until I was about 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And, um, Can you still play? No. no. Uh, right. I, I think if I, if I picked it up and practiced a lot for like six months, I think I would be reasonably mm. good at it. But like I, riding a bike a little bit, but yeah, you need to. Yeah. It's like something you have to keep. You have to keep it up. Mm. Uh, violin is, is a hard instrument to learn. Uh, and I, I played mainly classical. Uh, and then I started with uh, singing. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, but I went to like the boys' choir mm. at Kommunala uh, Musikskola, mm. you know, mm. the music school that was yeah, kind of like a state school. Government funded, mm. yeah. Mm. And something that we've had in Sweden for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it's fostered a lot of um, good musicians. Mm. I think. Mm. And uh, makes us a music country exactly. in a lot of ways, I think. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it was a really good thing because mm. it allowed kids 
whose parents maybe didn't have a lot of money, they could still afford, you know, putting their kids through um, ballet classes or playing in an mm, orchestra. Mm. I played in a, a classical orchestra from when I was a kid until I was in, in my late teens. Mm. Uh, and I started to sing, uh, went to the boys' choir. I got teased a lot because of that and okay. because of violin. It wasn't cool mm-hmm. when you were in sixth grade and mm. you played violin and you sang with a mood like that. Mm. And then when I was in, I think, ninth grade in Sweden, I think that's what's that equivalent in America. It's like, like, it was like a junior high. Yeah. 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 Some of the guys who were older than I was asked me if I wanted to sing in their band. And these guys were the cool guys, it's, mm. you know. Uh, and they played rock and roll and stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure, I could mm-hmm. try out. Mm-hmm. And I started to sing with them. And we sang, and there was like um, uh, Eagles and mm-hmm. Kiss mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Back in those, it's like mm-hmm. the late 80s. Uh, we played Lick It Up by Kiss, mm-hmm. of course, and, so, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had, I think, most of basically, we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of time. I think that's one major difference between then and now. Uh, was that you didn't really have all these? You had the, there were music competitions, but there weren't music direct, for instance, music mm-hmm. direct that they had here mm-hmm. in Malmo. Uh, but they didn't have these um, like uh, American Idol or all that stuff, no, where no. a jury would sit and bash you if you weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so what we did, we allowed ourselves to have fun. Yeah. We allowed ourselves to suck monumentally. Yeah. Uh, we were really bad in the beginning. Uh, and I think when I was about to graduate from the reactions from some of my friends in school who didn't play, mm-hmm. uh, I could tell that they thought, even though some of them would never admit it mm. back then, because, you know. Yeah, you got to <laughs> be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of them, at least, started to realize that we were good, but not just because we were kids, but because it, it started to sound good. Mm, for real, for real. Yeah, it mm. started to sound good, and you actually could sing. There was something there. Mm, mm. And so when I started uh, high school, um, uh, gymnasiet, as I say in Sweden. Yeah, uh, upper secondary, upper whatever. Upper secondary, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was about 16, uh, we started to do that more seriously. I... I started with another band that became like the official school band mm-hmm, of the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like, we we practiced a lot. Mm. And all of us, we really wanted to be musicians yeah, and yeah. sing. And mm. we, start, we started actually listening to what we were singing instead of just singing loudly mm. like you do when you're experimenting when you're young. Yeah, yeah. And you, were you the front man of the band? Were you singing? Yeah, I don't... I, wa- I started as... Uh, in that band, I started as a backup singer with, and uh, guitarist uh-huh. with another guy. Um, uh, and then we had a front man uh, who was a, like a proper rock rock punk singer. Mm. It was very, very good. Mm. Uh, I don't think he's in music anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them aren't mm. uh, because they found other interests. And sure, stuff. Yeah. He was very good and we had a lot of fun. Uh, we We practiced a lot and we played a lot. I remember one one time that's like that was a fun day. We we decided to just do a random gig at mm. school. So we took all the equipment from the music uh, apart, uh, department, mm-hmm. uh, the PA system and everything, and we walk and we dragged it down 
outside mm-hmm. uh, outside the windows of the school cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And we just hooked everything up. We didn't tell the, um, the principal or anything. Mm-hmm. We hooked everything up. And the music teacher was like, what are you guys doing? It was like, so we were playing. Uh, I'll, right. I'll handle the principle later. He thought it was cool. Yeah, and we just <laughs> cranked it up and we just played and everybody looked out the windows and and it was just I remember I can still remember that as one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Yeah, cuz it sounds still. like a scene in a like a high school yeah. musical uh, from the 80s yeah. movie maybe. Yeah, uh. that's we were kind of trying to recreate something like that. Mm. Um and I remember so we we didn't really care about money. Mm. Uh, because I mean, back then, very few people would want to pay for having us to yeah, yeah, play. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not what you do. No, it's like we just wanted to enjoy ourselves. Mm. And I think every time now, when I'm really tired, I don't feel like going to work. Mm. Uh, I feel, oh god, I have double shows tonight or mm. whatever, mm. and I complain, and it's cold and it's dark or mm. whatever. <laughs> I try to get back to the feeling, the initial feelings mm. that I had mm. when I was mm. younger, when everything was just, you know, you were you were bold and you just you would just walk up to some guy in in a pub and say, "Hey, you guys uh, have live music here, yeah? Put us on the playlist for mm. for Saturday." And like, you guys, yeah. Mm. You have a demo tape? Yes, right here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Prepared. Of course. <laughs> and I would listen on the cassette player. And I would go, hey, you guys are pretty, yeah, you guys are pretty good. Mm. Okay, next week. Come back next week. Mm. And you mm. get, no, you don't get beer. <laughs> no, But no, you get food no. and, and uh, soft drinks. Mm. And we would play for food and soft drinks. And mm. we would have so much fun. Yeah. You got to remember why you're doing it. Yeah. Which yeah. I feel is really important, especially nowadays when there's there can be so much pressure because you need to do it mm, yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah. That can be the worst thing when uh, mm. your passion is all of a sudden your job and yeah. you get paid for something. Uh, I, mm. I've had that happen a lot of times because I've tried uh, different things uh, mm. throughout my life. And and I found that as soon as I get paid for something and I have to do it, it's not fun anymore. No. And the first thing I didn't feel that about was acting. Mm. Like it's, it's always fun. What, uh, no, no matter what, but yeah. uh, but all the other endeavors I've tried, creative endeavors. Uh, as soon as it's my job, it's ugh, mm. damn it, I have to. You know, I want to do something because I feel like doing it. Yeah, uh, but and but mostly I do that with acting anyway. So yeah, mm. and it's it's also that uh, as soon as someone says, okay, I'm willing to pay for this, mm. that also means that the pressure's on. The pressure's <laughs> on. You have to deliver. Yeah. You always have to deliver on the same level. Yeah, and because that person is going to go look. Uh, yesterday was really good. Today mm, it's a bit, I mean, you know, yeah. and that's not happening mm. because I pay just as much today as I did yesterday. Yeah, sure. So it's. I think that's um, uh, when you f- I finally when I realized that I was I had to. Oh yeah, uh, I think that when I realized that this is what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people says, "Oh, I wanted. I've known since I was a kid, and blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. And that may be true for some people, but yeah, yeah. For, for me, I mean, I grew up in a small town, and there weren't that many options mm. uh, back then. There weren't any. This was before social media. Mm. Uh, before even, I mean, my mom had a mobile phone the size of a fucking uh, <laughs> traveling case. <laughs> well, she in had her one car. All oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so there were no mobile phones or anything, mm. and even if I had one. Uh, there would no, there would be I, I the only person I could call would be my mom. Yeah. <laughs> so because no, none of my friends would have one. Mm. So it was, 
it was harder to imagine that th- you could actually do this. Mm. But I think there were two two major events in my life that actually showed me that. Oh, three actually. That, well, that I wanted to do this. Mm. One was uh, when the um, you know from um, when you're about to graduate from upper high school, mm-hmm. uh, they send out these leaflets and information from the universities. Mm-hmm. And we got them at the Saddle Sleds Gymnasium where I went mm-hmm. in Trollborg. And everybody was looking through them and, you know, ticking boxes of where, what kind of program they wanted to do and whatever. Yeah. And there was nothing I wanted to do. No. Mm. Nothing. There was, mm. I mean, I mm. love history and I would have loved to become a history. I think mm. I would have been a history teacher. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Or a, like English teacher or something. Mm. But there was nothing I wanted to do. Mm. And then someone told me about, there was a school in Stockholm called Kulturama. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, what's that? And you know, uh, before social media, mm. no website, mm. nothing like that. Mm. You had to order, you had to call them, you had to find the number mm. for them, mm. and you had to call them up and ask them to send uh, a leaflet of information yeah, yeah, yeah. by snail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked through it and there was like, there was this course for... Uh, Afro song mm-hmm. and music, mm-hmm. and I applied to that, and I applied to um, SMKL, a school in Stockholm, Stockholm's Music Conservatory. Mm. I applied to both of them. That was the only thing I applied for. Mm. And I know my mom and dad was like, "Aren't you going to apply for anything else? Mm-hmm. What if you don't get in? What if you don't? Then, uh, well, then I don't get in. Then I, I have yeah. to do something. I don't want to do anything else. No. So, hey. <laughs> and I got into both of them. Uh huh. And so I could, I could pick. Yeah, yeah. And I picked Kultrama. Mm. Uh, and I went there and then, and that was just one year. Mm. Uh, and, and then I applied for the ballet Academy in Gothenburg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was also the only thing I applied for, mm. uh, for, for some, I, I wanted to do musical theater. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I got into that. Mm. Uh, but so the, the first one was when, when they send out a leaflet from the universities and I realized that there was nothing I want to do except music. Mm. And then I got into, uh, this was before I went to Kulturama, I, w- I got into a musical here in Malmö called mm-hmm. Joseph. Oh, yeah, yeah. At Slachthus. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. And the amazing Technicolor Dream, dream yeah, Code. Yeah, 94, 95. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember the posters. I didn't go to see it. And it became, uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, she uh, told me about it. And she said, like, you should, you should go. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I can't dance. I don't know anything about musical theater. You should just go. Hmm. Uh, so I went. So you I, didn't go to Gothenburg uh, before that? No, no. Okay. This was yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to Gothenburg in... I started there in 97. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And this was in 94, uh-huh. 95. Hmm. Uh, so I auditioned in 94, I think. Hmm. Uh, late 94. Auditioned for Joseph. Hmm. I might get the dates wrong, but... There yeah, was yeah, well, so around, around there, yeah. Uh, and I came in, and uh, I was... Uh, and, and they were looking at me like, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I auditioned. I sang something from Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, okay. Um, and that's and tricky. I, it's tricky. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've done it myself. And, yeah, uh, and it's, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it can be tricky, especially when you're young and you don't really know yeah. What, yeah. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I went in full of confidence. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I can do this, and I just sang the song like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, all right. And then they, um, and I had to wait for quite a while. And then I found out that they uh, they wanted me to be in the production, and the production became a huge success. Mm. It was supposed mm. to be just a few months, and t- I think twenty or twenty five shows, mm-hmm. and it went on for over a year. 
Oh. For a long, long oh, time it oh, went on. Bam, okay. bam, 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 bam. Mm. And it was sold out. Boom, boom, boom. It's a huge success. Mm. And we went from being like an amateur production to a semi-professional production doing like four or maybe five shows a week, huh. which is a lot yeah, when you're yeah. that young oh, yeah. without experience. Yes. And a lot of the people who were in principal roles in that show uh, are in the business, are still in the business. Mm. Guys like Jakob Stadel, Nina Pressing, mm-hmm. uh, for yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah. I think Nina is doing uh, Jesus Christ Superstar right now here. Oh, is she? Yeah. Uh, yeah. With another guy who was also in there, Yuan Lunde. I, I don't know if Yuan mm. Lunde is in there, but there's a lot of people. Yeah. In, yeah. yeah. I know and, Nina. Yeah. yeah so, so there's a lot of people who were in that show who are still in musical theater or theater or film or whatever and are professionals. Mm. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Tommy Franzen. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. he finished, he was like runner-up or third runner-up in uh, So You Think You Can Dance UK a oh, few was years he? ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's done a lot of big shows in London or whatever. Mm. Um, great guy, uh, very professional. Mm. And he was like 15 when yeah. he came. When he was in that show right. in, in, in Joseph at Slacktus. Mm. Uh, so that was his first big production. Mm. So it was an effective school for all you guys. It was an effective guess. school. Mm. And I realized when I came to Ballet Academy how much I actually had learned mm. Doing a real show, five shows a week for yeah. over a year. Of course. When I came there, because mm. uh, there was a lot of that discipline, I guess. Not that I was the most disciplined guy in that <laughs> class, of course. Mm. I think that if anyone from that class hear this, uh, <laughs> they're gonna have like, wait a minute. <laughs> so that that's not true. But uh, uh, I did a lot of uh, <laughs> I did a lot of bullshit back then. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. But it's, it's still there was there was a mindset. I think it's like I kind of knew. Some of the stuff that okay, this is what goes on when you do it for real, mm. uh, and then of course school is something different. Uh, but so that was also one reason when I when I did that, I realized this is what I want to do. Mm. And I remember I went to we went to London uh, with my family, mm. and we went to see Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and I I bitched and moaned for a long time without paying any respect to the fact that my dad and my mom had bought expensive tickets to see that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was in the early days. It was still like original cast and uh, Michael yeah. Crawford and right, right. all mm-hmm. those guys, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, and my mom and dad, they paid tickets for it. And, you know, when you're 14, you take everything for granted. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go see an opera. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had no idea what I wanted to see, but I didn't want to see that. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, raising all kinds of hell. And my mom and dad said, just just be quiet and just watch it, see, see, see what you think. Mm. And I went there and I saw it and I was blown away. Mm. I loved rock and roll and blah, blah, blah. And I felt so embarrassed. I had to go see an opera and it wasn't an opera. No, it's, it was something completely yeah. different. It's a rock and roll type of opera. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was totally blown away by mm. it. And I couldn't stop talking about it. I talked to all my friends about it, how awesome it was with the chandelier coming down. Mm, yeah, yeah. And Michael Crawford, his singing. I had never... At least not live. I had never heard anyone sing like that. Mm, I think the only thing that could rival that was one Christmas when my mom and I were in the store. And the first time I heard Whitney Houston, Mm. greatest love of all Mm -hmm, in the, mm -hmm. you know. And I just, what's that? And my mom said, I'm not really sure. Mm. And we asked, oh, that's Whitney Houston. That's her new album. And I was like, people actually sing like this. Mm. And that was like... Something went turned on in my brain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like 
it's possible. And when I watched the show also, I was like, it's possible to do this. Mm. And I remember I told my dad, it's like, one day I'm going to stand on a stage here mm. in London. I'm going to do this. Mm. And my dad was like, he's a pragmatic. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, if, if you work really hard, mm. then maybe. Yeah. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember when uh, Jerry Spring of the Opera mm. had opening night at the National Theater. Mm. And my mom and dad was in the audience. Mm. And afterwards, there was a big party upstairs. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they joined for drinks and stuff, but they didn't stay for the party. But uh, I asked my dad, do you remember when we were here last time? I was mm-hmm. like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. What do you think? Did you like the show? You did good. You did okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, can't can't show too many emotions. No, uh, no, but it's it was, it was, that generation. It was cool. Yeah, so it's yeah. yeah. So it's after that, I've been I've been doing it more or less ever since. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Continually working. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've had like like all of us like ups and downs. Well, yeah. Uh, some, some of some us more periods. downs. <laughs> some 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 um, some periods have been like I couldn't get a job even if I had a. You know, even if I put a gun to their heads, yeah, there, there would be no jobs. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've always been like, I've I've never been afraid of moving around. No, that's probably really very good, especially if you're yeah. a stage performer. Yeah. And it's like uh, I remember when, because uh, when I graduated Ballet Academy uh, in 2000, mm. I was fortunate to get a job directly after school. I even we started rehearsing before school ended, mm. so I left in May, I think. Uh, and it was five guys named Mo mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm, Park mm-hmm. Theater in Stockholm. Mm. And uh, some musical I really liked. Great music. We get to tap on stage. And mm-hmm, also was mm-hmm. one thing that was not very common back then was that it was an almost black cast. Uh-huh, yeah. The only white guy was the main character. Oh, right. Because in Sweden, you always have to have a white guy in the show. No matter <laughs> Token what. white no guy. Matter, yeah, no matter what you do, there's always white people. Okay, uh, but so I think that was one of the first times they had like an almost all black cast mm. uh, at Stadsteat on Park Theater, mm. uh, and uh, for me that was um, a great feeling. Mm. Uh, I was the young, the young kid on the block. Mm. The others had many years of experience, uh, and uh, I got to learn. I learned a lot from them. Mm doing shows, and also how to... Because when you finish school, you have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know you know exactly what to do because mm. the teachers have told you yeah, yeah. what it's about. Mm. And you know that being the guy who can sing, who can sing the highest note mm. means that you're the best or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you uh, know that. Yeah. You know that for sure. But you don't know what it's like when you're actually working. No. It's a... And you come in there, and I wanted to prove myself. Mm. Desperately wanted to prove myself, and uh, so I practiced out of uh, rehearsal hours, and I did all that stuff, you know. And I tried to be loud, and I tried mm. to be like, "Yeah, I can do this." Mm. After a while, one of the uh, one of the old older guys was like, "Can I talk to you for a minute, Robert?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, you're doing great, all right, but you don't have to try so hard. Mm-hmm. You got the job. Mm-hmm. job. <laughs> this is not an audition. Yeah, yeah. It's not an audition. Yeah. We're rehearsing. We are experimenting. We're trying different things. Mm. You don't have to mm. be show everybody that you can be best. It's not about being the best. It's about serving the story. Mm. And maybe the story calls for 
this and not this. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and right. I was like, what's he yeah, talking right. about? But, you know, you realize after a while that what they say is true. Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying you shouldn't rehearse, of course, uh, and that you shouldn't put all your energy and passion into something. But mm. you have to direct that energy into what's serving the story right now yeah, instead yeah, of being yeah. like this. I yeah, was yeah. all like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to land a B-52 bomber when, <laughs> you know, all I had to do was park my bike. So that's... Um, all on, all the time. Yeah. So that was like um, uh, a very good lesson mm. for me. I got I got slapped, not not in a negative way. It sounds negative, but I got slapped down mm. by by some of the more experienced guys because they felt like, yeah, you're good, but you have to kind of, mm, mm. yeah, you need to find your place. Yeah. And I understand it's new, and mm, mm. but you have to. Yeah. Uh, and I think once once you realize the potential of doing that. Mm. I know that there's a, there's a quote from Aretha Franklin when she says, like, singing the blues is not all only about what you sing. It's, it's also about what you don't sing. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, you can do all these wail and whoa and all that stuff, mm. but you also have to understand when to be quiet, mm. when to listen to the music, when to let the... Um, backing singers yeah, come in. Sure. Uh, There's a lot of emotions in that. Especially, I mean, if I mean, if, if you listen to, um, there's a song by uh, Aretha, what's, what's it called? Whenever and ever you stay in my heart and I... Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Dionne Warwick has done as well. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, which, uh, I mean, Say yeah. a Little Prayer. You Say a Little Prayer, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you listen to the Aretha version, especially the live version, uh, she almost... The entire chorus of the song mm. is sung by the backing singers. Yeah. And she yeah, is yeah, yeah. mainly quiet. And sometimes you go, ever, ever, yeah, like that. Mm, mm, and mm. she fills in the blanks. Yeah. And then she's quiet and listening to them. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it can be really good to just be, if you, I mean, if you watch, I mean, if you go back to acting, if you, um, mm, if mm. you watch some of your, uh, the actors that really move you mm. on stage or on film, Sometimes, or quite often, actually, they don't do anything no, no, other no. than take in what's going on. Yeah. Now, um, Christopher Walken has mm. always been a guy like, I mean, if you look at him in uh, is it Dead Zone, mm. is that, yeah? Mm. Uh, he's, a, he's, a very, he's a protagonist, which is a very quiet protagonist. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to people, he's, they are doing stuff. They're being active and they're being afraid mm. or they're being, you know... Uh, judgmental, or you mm, know, they're chasing mm, after something, mm. and he's watching them mm. like this, and like we do exactly. And there, there's was there's one scene where the 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 love of his life, you know, he's he's been in a coma for a long time, and he wakes up and he comes home, and uh, she puts the other actor puts her hand on his thigh mm. like this. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's choreographed. There's no way to know, of knowing, no. but it doesn't. It feels like she's just doing that. Mm-hmm. And instead of him doing something big or like oh like that, he just looks down. He glances down at the mm-hmm. hand, and then he moves his leg mm-hmm. just a little bit mm. to show the viewers the the in huge distance, mm. emotional distance between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always found that 
among all the big things that's happening in that film, the epic mm. stuff mm. about the president and the world war and yeah. all of his uh, premonitions or whatever uh, precognitions mm. uh, when he becomes clairvoyant and uh, that scene really got to me mm-hmm. uh, when I, w- I watched the movie with a friend uh, many years ago and we, s- we both reacted to that mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that he did and I mean, I still remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it kind of, he could have said something, he could have done some stupid exposition or something like, mm. now we've been apart for five years. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that would have, it wouldn't have ruined the scene, but it wouldn't be as powerful as no. him just slightly moving his leg mm. to show that we are not, we are not together anymore. Right. And mm. we, I don't know if we will ever mm. be able to. This little bit of guarded yeah. body language. Yeah. Which is life. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you've ever been like in a relationship and you guys are breaking up, uh, the day you know it's over, it's mostly not because you had a big argument. It's because of something small. Yeah, okay. It's because mm-hmm. of something small. That has happened, yeah. I mean, not necessarily the day you break up, but the day you realize nice. that this okay, won't work. It's not going to work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, because you can have big... F- I've had big fights with, uh, with my girlfriend, mm. uh, but we're still together. Yeah. Uh, those are your solutions you just need to yeah, re- resolve them exactly yeah. and I mean it's like uh, one she's very patient <laughs> of course <laughs> uh, because I'm not you know uh, and uh, two it's like we, we try to handle stuff but it's also like I, I think the, the small things mm. can be amazingly beautiful mm. and devastating at the same time yep, yep, yep. and for me that's uh, acting, in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you, you really have those two uh, perspectives as well, mm. uh, the film acting and the stage acting. And you've done so much stage stuff, but you're you're also deep into all the film acting stuff mm. as well. And it's great to have those the, all those bits in the, your toolbox. Yeah. Because uh, it is different mm. and the same in, <laughs> mm. in different ways. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned uh, Jerry Springer, the opera. Yes, uh, the National Theatre in, in London. In London, yeah. Because yeah. The, yeah, I, I, mm. you were doing that in in England yeah because you won an Olivier award for that show yeah it was it was an Olivier award for uh, the cast the cast yeah, yeah so, 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 so you were a part of a, a choir or something yeah we, I mean this was the so I haven't uh, seen the show so I don't know no yeah. it's it's the show is about Jerry Springer he has uh, which proves to be uh, his last show yeah, yeah. Mm. and in uh, he has uh, the story begins with he's having his uh, his show as usual mm. And at the end of the show, uh, a man in a diaper comes in, and uh, uh, who's one of the guests. Mm-hmm. And there's a fight, of course, when mm-hmm. people throw chairs sure, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and we are the audience on both sides, mm-hmm. where we have solos and different things. And we're, all, we're on stage the entire show. Oh, yeah. So the cast becomes uh, a, char- a main character. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's why we, we got the, the, the Olivier Award for Best Actor or something. Right. Yeah. So you're like a, almost important. like a Greek choir. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in a way. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Uh, because it's like uh, most of the time when you do shows, uh, the cast is on and then they go off and then the main actor have their have this big moment and mm. then they come on again, mm. walk on and off. But once you're there, you're there mm. and you mm. are the character. You are the entity. Yeah. Entity and, of the audience. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then there's like in, at the end of Jerry's show, uh, at the end of the first act. Uh, the KKK comes on. Okay. 
they're on a, they're kind of announced, but one of them <clears throat> he uh, and then Jerry Springer is shot mm-hmm. on stage, and he dies, and he goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And at the, in the second act, he has to uh, bridge the differences between God and the devil in hell. He has a show in hell mm-hmm. where God okay. and the devil are the guests. <laughs> oh. And they come in and there are devils and there are angels and all that. And there's a big fight on stage, mm. uh, uh, which is which is really fun. And at, at the end of the show, Jerry Springer, when he dies, he has his last words, which mm. he always has in his real show. Mm. His last words, and he lies there dying. And he has the, you know, the thing he always says, take care of yourselves and mm. each other, mm. yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the message right. of the show. Yeah. Um, that no matter your differences, you have to take care of yourselves. You have to love each other. Mm. And uh, if we work hard together, mm. we can still get along. Mm. Uh, and that show was, I think it was the first time they had like a really, really big, rude show mm. uh, with a lot of, <clears throat> uh, can I say the C word? Can I say oh, it? yeah. Okay. I'm just going to mark this explicit. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where people sing cunt and you know, chick with a dick, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. chick with a dick, yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the first time I read the script was like, because my agent in London at the time, she sent the, uh, some scenes for me to read, and I saw saw it, and I was like, wow. <laughs> and in England as well, where people yeah. are kind of Puritans sure, in a yeah. way, mm. especially at the National. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, I have to. I have to do this. I have to be in this. Mm. I said, "How do I get into this show?" Mm. And she was like, "Well, you know, you have to, you have to audition, and I'll, yeah. I'll make sure you get there, and blah blah blah." Were and you living there at the time? Yeah, I was okay, living there. Yeah, I'd yeah. been, I'd been to school there. I went to Reading ah. Academy. For ah, a year. shit. Okay. Uh, and uh, I gave it a year because I wanted an agent. Mm. And uh, and she said, "Like, yeah, you have to, um, you have to audition, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get you in." And the, all these. Big wigs, uh, casting directors, David Grinrod, and all those people were mm. involved. Mm. Uh, and the uh, TV comic Stuart Lee oh, yeah. was mm. directing, mm-hmm. and he had written it together with a guy called Richard uh, Thomas, mm-hmm. who's one of the most um, musically inclined human beings I've ever met. Okay, it's like you know, like Pavel Ramel. He's, he's mm. so musically inclined or talented that mm. they're almost insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they had written the musical as what they call a combat opera. Mm-hmm. And they had a pianist, which was Richard, I think, and uh, a singer or two singers who sang. Um, and they showed it at the um, Edinburgh Fringe Festival oh, yeah. a few mm-hmm. years earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were two opera singers on stage and they sang uh, Profanities. Mm-hmm. Oh, you fucking bitch, fucking bitch, <laughs> like that. And uh, some producers, um, I think from the National and... Some other guys from uh, with money hmm. saw it and they was like, "Yo, you guys have to do this. Could you do this as a big twenty-piece, two uh, two-act thing?" Hmm. They were like, "Oh my god, wow, yeah, we'll 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 try." Mm-hmm. And they did it. Mm. And uh, on the first day of rehearsal, Stuart Lee said, "Yeah, all right. Um, this is what it's like. Uh, I've I've never seen a musical in my life, and I've never directed anything like this. Uh-huh. I've never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what musicals are. Okay. I just know <laughs> I want to tell a story, and this mm-hmm. is the story. Mm-hmm. And all of you musical, I know there are people in here who have done a lot of musicals. And please help me if, I, if I'm way off. Right, right. Uh, so please help me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. 
and we're going to develop the, the characters were developed there uh, and all of the characters that were developed there are and now they're doing it. I think they're going to. It's going to Broadway now. I think because mm-hmm, Jerry Springer mm-hmm. himself kind of didn't want that when he was being a trying to be a politician and you know. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that's. So it was supposed mm-hmm. to be in two thousand five, two thousand six. It was supposed to go over there, mm. but Jerry Springer didn't really. The real Jerry Springer didn't really want that at the time. Mm. But he's a mayor and stuff. Or yeah, what? exactly. He was going for mayor. And uh, so it's been, I think it's been on tour or whatever, and it's been in Chicago or something, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and now I think it's going to Broadway, or okay. if it's on Broadway already. Um, so the characters that we developed in London mm. are there. Yeah. They might have different names, but they're, mm-hmm. they're there. Mm. The same kind of characters that we created, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was a really great experience to get to work with some of the people in the cast had done like uh, Les Miserables mm-hmm. at West End, Phantom mm-hmm. of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, like 10, 15 years under their belt and they were oh. really, really professional. Mm. And that was also like um, uh, an opportunity to just learn. Yeah. Learn how to work in an environment that's... National Theatre was great because that was... Um, you play in repertoire, so... You may do six shows one week, and the next next week you could be off the entire week, mm. or do just three shows because there's another show on mm. that stage, mm. and that, so you alternated, mm. and that was all right. Yeah. And then you then they they took it to the West End, which is eight shows a week, mm. all the time, and that's I mean West End was like a dream for me. Yeah, it's like of if you if you go into musical theater, West End and Broadway is like I yeah. want to go there, and everybody's yeah. talking about it. Those are the two. Yeah. Holy Grails. <laughs> and all of a sudden in two. Late 2004, I think, mm-hmm. I was there. Or it's like 2005, maybe. I was there. Yeah, you got the award 2004, right? Yeah, yeah. so that was for a national theater mm, Yeah. And then we went to Cambridge Theater in, at the Seven Dials in, uh, in, in the West End mm. uh, at Mercer Street. And uh, it was very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, there was all of this. It was about making money. Uh-huh. Because okay. national theater is, of course, subsidized by the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. So it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like Stadstheater on how. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we came there and it was eight, eight shows a week mm. and a new production company. Uh, and it was, it was wonderful at times, but it was also brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, more like a factory, just yeah. It was a little bit more like a factory. And I have, I have to say that uh, when I Came back to Sweden. Uh, I did an audition for Rent in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came back to Sweden. I just felt like it was still hard work. It's always hard work. But doing five shows a week was a fucking holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so it was that. And then it kind of... I just felt like Sweden was where I wanted to be. Okay. But yeah. why, though? Why did you leave London when it was going so well and... You had a life there and work and everything. I was burnt out, I think. Okay. So I came home and I was really thin, mm. uh, and I didn't really, I didn't realize it, mm. and I wasn't feeling very well. Okay. Uh, and I've been there for so long, and I, it felt like a long time anyway. And I just felt like it's expensive, and you can't yeah. afford to be out of work for very long. No. no. Uh, and I went home for a little while, and then I was like. And they and uh, I did. Uh, I auditioned for Rent, and they offered me a part in it. Mm. And I thought, oh, 
I'll stay here. Mm, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's a, the challenge in Sweden is always, and no matter what what production company says, it's always uh, it's always tough to not be white. Mm, uh, mm. I mean, in London, there's there's a lot of competition, mm. but on the other hand, they do produce a lot of shows and plays yeah. with white protagon- uh, black protagonists. And black characters. Sure. And at the same time, I guess, in a, a bigger market as London is, yes. it might be good to be special in some way. Yes. Because then you are one of the fewer guys that can do this thing. Exactly. And if you have a good agent over there, mm. uh, you will have some sort of kind of work uh, if you keep if you keep it up. Mm. I mean, because you, you, you have to you have to be. You can't be half-assed if you go into an audition in, in London. You, you, of course, you can't do that here either. But mm-hmm. it's like you have to be on the money because there's. Mm. If I go to an audition here for a character where they're looking for someone who's like me, short yeah. and black, or and singing, mm. maybe there's four of us. Yeah. If you go in London, there's twenty. Yeah. And they're all really, really good. Yeah. Or they wouldn't be there. Mm. There's like a filter. Mm. And they also have this filter because of the equity. Mm. Uh, if you're not, some auditions are sure. close to non-equity members, yeah. so you can't get in. If you don't have your equity card, you can't get in. Mm. Uh, which I kind of like in a way, because it it guarantees uh, because they, there's a it's much harder. To, one, it's much harder to get an equity membership card in London than it is in Sweden. Mm. Uh, here you can uh, you can graduate from school and then you can enroll or whatever. Mm. But in in London it doesn't work that way. You, it's like spotlight. The you know you have to have pro- professional credentials mm. uh, or an Ivy League school. You have to have yeah. gone to, yeah. or you have to prove that you can keep it up. Mm. That's when you get your equity card. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so there, I mean, there's uh, pros and cons. Mm. With yeah. That. But that's in, I mean uh, th- th- those uh, those things can be almost absurd. I got a friend mm. in uh, New York. Mm. Uh, he's a black guy, mm. uh, you know, shaved head, uh, oh, body like a good looking fellow. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bodybuilder, mm. ex- oh. like insanely muscular yeah. and like almost no body fat and stuff like that. So he f- really fills this type, this yeah. niche. But when he goes to an audition, there's still forty other people that looks like him. Exactly. His type. You know. Yeah. He was close to being. Uh, like Panther, actually, I was like third, oh. third to be one of them. Okay, bigger parts in that. Mm. So uh, that got to be annoying as well, you know. If you you okay. fill this specific type, mm. and if you you work really hard to be the specific type in his case, because mm. he, he lift weights every day, mm. yeah. uh, and then still, nah, we took jo- Josh again, yeah, <laughs> who's know, been in fifteen films, probably. And if yes. you've been in two, and one of them was a film that nobody saw, mm. it's going to be much harder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's in, in Sweden, it's like, uh, if you're black, uh, and some people say it's getting better. I don't, I don't know about that, but it's, it still is. Sometimes they, it feels like if you get a job, especially in film, mm. they, it's always like they have to justify you being there. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. he is black because he is supposed to play this African dude in the shop or sure. he's supposed to play this thug or bus driver or whatever, mm. uh, he can't just be the guy married to the white girl. 
because uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's okay. because then you have to justify that with him being actually African, mm-hmm. or that somewhere in the story she's been to Africa or whatever. There's something there that's mm. kind of weird. Uh, yeah, and it, when you when you read the uh, uh, the call sheets for auditions, mm. when they say uh, we're looking for a male actor between 35 and 45, they mean white. Yeah. They always mean white. Because otherwise oh. they write it down. Black yeah. actor. And it's, this is in Sweden I'm talking about. Yeah. Because yeah. they haven't gotten to the part where they're actually doing true colorblind casting. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I've mm-hmm. seen, and I, I think you've seen them as well, because we, we tend to see the same stuff, yeah. uh, uh, where casters from other countries in the breakdowns you see that we're open to any ethnicity whatever yeah. for this character and it's like a disclaimer under yeah. every part yeah. but i i was i, I kind of laughed this fall when they were looking for nazis for uh, the genius show oh yeah and it, and it says like, nazi officer 44 yeah. but it, under it says we're open to any nationality yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the fucking nazi no well, when, when it comes to nats and when it comes to nazis it becomes harder. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, we have, uh, like, uh, I'm getting political now, but we have um, uh, Jackie Alklev, for instance. Mm. He was black and a Nazi mm. uh, who uh, did some really disgusting things. Yeah. And he's in jail now, I think, so I, mm. I can say this without him <laughs> Safely, coming after yeah, me or yeah, anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I mean, that, that, that must have been a weird afternoon when he actually came down knocked on the door on the local nazi party and asked if he could join mm-hmm. i mean or did they ask him because he had military background or something it's just it would be weird you would go uh, oh yeah, yeah i'm a part mm. of something now oh wait um mm. ah never mind yeah <laughs> the most extreme version of well, i don't like black guys but you're cool yeah you know uh and i've heard that uh since i was a kid mm mm-hmm. Uh, about not specifically about black people, but about foreigners. Yeah. Because how uh, I feel that in in Sweden there's there's this avarice uh, about, for instance, like uh, I think people react more strongly towards people who are Muslim mm-hmm. than actual black if they are performers. Uh, but if they yes. are, if they're politicians, that's another, uh, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I grew up with a lot of my friends were white, uh, where I grew up, all of them, mm. Mm. Uh, and they all liked rap music. They all liked uh, Eddie Murphy because mm. back then, of course, it was uh, the time of um, Eddie Murphy's Raw, yeah, Delirious, yeah, yeah. Coming to America, mm. uh, Forty Eight Hours, all of those things was really popular yeah. and even if you're black and funny uh, preferably american mm. or if you sing and rap it's fine mm-hmm. but if you if you go out with their daughters uh, if you want an apartment mm-hmm. uh, if you um, if you god forbid if you go into politics mm-hmm. in sweden there was uh, yeah uh, that can be a problem mm. uh, so that and also what you, i mean this was before social media, mm. yet again, mm. and we always come back to that. Uh, but uh, nowadays, I know, for instance, from uh, I'm a member of uh, Push Truck, mm-hmm. the uh, Afro Swedes um, group for uh, Afro Swedes who are in work in theater, mm-hmm. uh, film, uh, create uh, creative businesses, yeah, yeah. All right. uh, and uh, from a lot of them. Uh, there are tes- testimonies, horrible testimonies of 
what they have to go through. Mm, uh, mm. Internet hate. Mm. Uh, they get death threats. Mm. Uh, they get arrested for no reason by the police. Uh, they get detained in in the store mm, mm. by uh, security guards yeah, yeah. and whatnot. And I've been fortunate to. I haven't been subjected to a lot of that actually. Okay. And uh, uh, I've. That doesn't mean I've been completely. I've come out of it completely unscathed no. because I've seen some bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I've been not. through some bullshit mm. uh, that I know I would never have faced if I was white. No. I know sure. that it would wouldn't have been a problem if yeah. I was white. Mm. And it's been the same way when it comes to jobs. Uh, when you apply for something and for instance with uh, one of the guys in um, the agency I'm with mm. uh, he auditioned for there was a big uh, spread on in the news just a few weeks ago mm-hmm. when he was he was applying, applying for an audition for an IKEA commercial okay i missed through, this uh. through a greek casting com- greek uh, english casting company okay. and it was supposed to be for greece yeah yeah and uh, he auditioned for it I auditioned for it, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people from the agency auditioned for it. Uh, the others are mainly white. Uh, okay, so they didn't ask for a specifically no, black no, they or didn't. whatever. No. And we auditioned, and then he got a reply. I didn't get that reply, which was really weird. Mm-hmm. He got the reply, he can't be black for the Greek market, sorry. Okay. That's what he got. Uh, all right. And uh, that was like, and he went to the, pa- he went to the newspapers with it. Mm. And uh, so, so IKEA had to respond, mm. and they were, as they said, they were appalled mm. by it. And how can uh, that's not that's not how we want people to do? This was the fault of the agency, or the casting, the casting agency. director. Yeah. Probably, yeah, this is not something we uh, condone. But it's no. like, so that's something that um, we get to hear, yeah, uh, in a different way. As and it's not the same as if, let's say, you audition for something, and they say, oh, he can't be thin. No, for this cat, uh, we're we're looking for a fat guy or yeah. whatever. Yeah, well, that's, that's just what they're looking for. That's, that's fine. not what they're looking for, no. and it's this it's is not this whole country's this, yeah. this territory is gonna is racist. Yeah, so we uh, can't use you. No, <laughs> and that's weird. Yeah, so that's that's a thing that troubles me sometimes. Yeah. I have the other way. I mean, as a white guy, I have the other way around. Mm. Basically, when I I went to uh, India, uh, this was actually before I was an actor, though. Mm. But uh, and. People I met there, they were so fascinated by how I looked. And they mm. was like, well, to us, you look like a movie star. Because mm. the whiter you are, the more glamorous and better yeah, you are as a person. Are. Because they have the whole thing of, you know, uh, uh, making their skin whiter with whitening yeah. uh, products and stuff like that, like, mm. as they do in Africa. And it's just horrible. Mm. And I met people, intelligent young people, who was, like, mm. considering, ah, I'm so dark, you know. Mm. Uh, when I'm out in, uh, during the night, I'm invisible. Huh? Mm. So, uh, but t- please, yeah, that's you. Don't yeah. do anything about it. No, and it's it's a uh, it's a thing where, uh, especially if you're in a country where the system is predominantly white, mm. and you have to navigate those waters in a way where you're not a problem. Mm. Because uh, from my experience, you can be either troublesome, mm. quote, or you can work. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard yeah. to be both unless you're already famous. Yes, so you have some power. Yes, if you have power, 
if you're Samuel L. Jackson, mm. you can say, or Oprah, you mm. can say there's something wrong with the system mm. and you will still get work. Yeah. But if someone who is unknown calls out the entire industry and says the industry in itself, not necessarily pointing out individuals, but the industry in itself mm. is a bit racist, mm. uh, then you are a problem. Mm. And that means that some people, not all of them, but some people are going to go, yeah, he's not going to be working with us because mm, that's mm. going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, we don't want we don't want to mix politics and and entertainment. Mm, mm. And for me, uh, I know that that's always the um, uh, the argument people use. Well, but it's it's not about politics; it's about entertainment. And I think that some of the best entertainment ever created <laughs> has something to do with political satire yeah. or politics. Yes. Uh, I mean... Or everything's politics, if you... Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you look at uh, some of the best concerts ever made, was politics. Uh, you look at uh, Live Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I mean, nowadays people say, like, entertainers shouldn't involve themselves in politics. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> they should just entertain. If you tell a story, then you are, you know, conveying an idea, and that's yeah. politics. So, yeah. come on. And... Without that, we wouldn't have had uh, We Are The World. Yeah. Would never have been mm. if they weren't, you know, involving themselves in world hunger or mm. which is politics. Mm. Uh, and I think um, a lot of people forget that nowadays because we've become, it's become a cesspool of cynicism, I think, mm-hmm. where people say like, yeah, you shouldn't involve yourself because you're a privileged artist or whatever. And then they forget, oh, yeah, I have, uh, I have the Live Aid video at home. Mm. And I watched that all the time when I was younger. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I have the single We Are The World at mm. home mm. on uh, LP or whatever. Mm. Uh, and uh, I love that as well. But they don't really think about, yeah, you have some of the strongest uh, political statements from the entertainment industry ever made yeah. in your home. Yeah. And you're still sitting on the internet writing that artists shouldn't involve themselves in politics. That's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's so weird. Because mm-hmm. w- what's wrong with, if you have a bit of power and mm-hmm. influence and a voice, yeah. why not use that to s- say, say some- something you want to say? Yeah, say something sensible. Yeah, and if you have a lot of money, and why not like, give that to some cause you believe in? Yeah. And, uh, come on, <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, and I think that, I mean, especially now when you're in, when I'm in The Book of Mormon, yeah. which is a show where written it's about uh white people going to uganda yeah missionaries yeah meeting ugandans yeah and ugandan characters written by white men Mm. women and uh men black women and men male characters written by white men yeah Uh, and the trouble the problem and the solution about the how to go about that and work with it because there's stereotypes Sure. But the thing is, the brilliant thing with that show is that they are, nobody gets away. They're taking the piss on mm-hmm. Mormons, yeah. uh, but Christian white people, mm. uh, Ugandans or whatever. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets their... Because you know, this is the South Park guys, so yeah. they, you know, that's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. And it has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with... It's, the show is about people mm. and about needs mm. uh, and about being loved and looking for love and looking for respect and finding yourself in your own voice. Uh, and, but you still have to be as, especially as a black actor, you have to be careful and just go out and do it without asking questions. Mm-hmm. 
you can't you can't make something like this without asking the question why am i doing this what's it for mm-hmm. what does the story mean yeah, yeah. and what does the characters want mm. uh, and i think that sometimes especially if you look at the some other reviews that goes on the matter and and i'm talking about review you know, mm, mm. uh, at new years mm. Uh, especially out out in the countryside where they make in small towns where yeah, they make yeah. and they have yellow face and sometimes they have mm. black face or, you know mm. uh, they don't ask these questions and I'm not I'm not saying no, that no, all of those reviews are bad because that's not what they're about no maybe not no uh, mm. and some of the people who write them are I don't know a bit ignorant now I will mm. never get a job in those mm. reviews now no, after no. said this <laughs> but I, I don't care it's just stere- stereotypical yeah. and it's supposed to be entertainment and for it's the, one thing to do a stereotype if there's something behind it that mm. means something. Mm. I don't mind doing a black stereotype uh, that has something to say mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. teaches something without being preachy, of course, but where there's a story behind it that means something, mm. where you understand that the person who made it mm. does not have these views. Mm. It's mainly, uh, for Book of Mormon, for instance, it's, they're making more jokes about Mormons than black people. Oh, yeah. If anybody's under the heel yeah. of that show, it's the Mormons. Yeah. I mean, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they probably think Mormonism is very stupid. If you yeah. we, if you watch South Park, yes. it seems like yes. <laughs> that's their opinion. And they ask, they also aren't afraid of asking the main, the real question, how can there be people in this day and age who actually believe in Mormonism? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Mm. the Mormon story is so strange. Yeah, yeah that you would go, wait a minute. Mm. Uh, and there's, there's That and Scientology to... is like exactly. on the it's, same level yeah, almost. And, yeah. and it's also that it's... Um, I know in Denmark now there's there's been a lot of discussions about, oh, you could never do this show if it had been about Muslims and blah, 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 and blah. No. No, but it's it's that's not what the show is about. No. <laughs> it's not about you versus them. It's about people. Mm. And even if you say like, yeah, you couldn't have done this if it was about Muslims, I believe you could if you made it because they always compare it to uh, uh, Vilks and his oh, yeah, Lars Vilks yeah. dogs and whatever yeah. roundabout mm. roundabout dogs, mm. and it's not the same thing because this show wasn't made to provoke Mormons. It was <laughs> it, this, mm. this show is about uh, people. And it's about love. Mm. It just happens to involve Mormons. I think it does provoke Mormons, though. Yeah, it does provoke <laughs> Mormons in a way, but the Mormons still benefit from it because outside the theater, every night, mm-hmm. the Mormons are handing out their book. Really? Yeah. Every night on the show, they are handing out their book at the end of the show. To, like, ca- or, count, counter the play in a way? Or, no, or the not show? to counter. The, they want to show what real Mormonism is actually about. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I mean. Like, like okay, you're going to make fun of us, then we're yes. going to be here and yes, like, and they have right seen the it. Okay, mm. and they are not that critical. Okay, there are some things in it that they didn't like, mm-hmm. uh, but there are a lot of things in it that they actually found funny mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. interesting. Because when we tell the story about the uh, about Joseph Smith, the prophet, and all mm-hmm. that, it's on the money. Nothing has been changed. Nothing has been. <laughs> you don't have to. No. It's still funny. <laughs> yes, and that's. One of their main uh, mm. surprise, I think they were really surprised, was that the story about Joseph Smith is actually correct. Yeah. There was nothing in there that was wrong. Mm. No. Uh, and they actually found that very, very funny. 
Mm. And the characters, mm. they found the characters funny and interesting. Mm. And it made, it forced them to look at their own religion in a, in a different light. Mm. But the main difference between doing this towards Mormonism and doing it between uh, us and, for instance, Muslims, mm. is the social uh, engagement between the different groups. Mm. If Denmark or Sweden or America had an army in more in Utah mm-hmm. making war on mm. Muslims, killing them, uh, you know, killing their kids or uh, mm. and bombing villages yeah, yeah. at the same time as they're doing a show about Mormons, yeah. making, making fun, fun of, of them. them. Yeah, that there would be a different outcry. That would be a problem. Yes, yes. Mm. if we've had. America and Denmark and Sweden making war on Mormons for 15 years mm. uh, and then do this show. Mm. There will be, it will be the same thing. Yeah. And then if you compare it to Wilkes and his roundabout dogs, mm. I don't know what you would call it in English, Rondell mm. Hundona, uh, he only, I don't care what he says because he's a maniac. What, and I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, he, what he did He did this just to provoke them, just to make the extremist Muslims angry. Mm. That's why he did it. Mm. He mm. didn't do it to, in an artist form of way, as he claims. He didn't mm-hmm. do it in an artist way to, to open up a discussion between um, you know, uh, secularized yeah. Swedish people and, okay. and Muslims. It's hard to prove, though. It was, yeah, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's the feeling I get. Mm. Uh, Because he would have done it in a different way. He would have invited Muslims in and talked to them, and then he would have done this thing. And you know, because it's hmm. well, that's just not what his his art was, if you can call it art. You know, no, but uh, it's it's uh, not it's not really it's not the same thing as doing. Uh, and I really I really believe that it's. I mean, considering what he's done since then, hmm. uh, he has uh, gone to and he has held speeches. At you know uh, alt right al- uh, rallies, yeah, 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 and he's been invited to and held seminars mm. with Nazis mm. and extreme right uh, people. Mm. Uh, and if he was just being an artist expressing himself, while still not being hostile towards Muslims, would he have gone to those places? No, no he would not. not. No, 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 no other. Artist would have done that. Mm. No, yeah. his own opinions are starting to come afloat. Exactly, you know. that's his own. So once he did that, you kind of you expose uh, Rondell Hund on the roundabout mm. dogs mm. in a different light. Yeah. Because if he had those views, that's why he did it. Mm. Because he wanted them, the extreme Muslims, to be really angry. Mm. Because the the other Muslims, the ninety nine point nine 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 five percent of the Muslims. They didn't even know about it because they're not interested in his art. They know they know nothing about his art. No. They have no idea who that guy is. Probably not. No, and they don't care. Hmm. Uh, but there will always be these the few who see it because it's in the paper, hmm. and they get pissed off, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are dangerous mm-hmm. because let's not let's not beat around the bush. Some of them are very dangerous yes. and angry, uh, but they are not necessarily affiliated with. Uh, the majority of of Muslims. No. It's like saying that every time the KKK does something disgusting, mm. you have to apologize to me mm. because you're white mm. and born kind of Christian. You have to answer to me. Mm. 
And every time a Muslim does something, all Muslims have to answer for what those people did, mm. which is really, really fucking unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they have nothing. They just want the bullshit to end. Mm. They just want to be left alone with their beliefs and uh, live in peace. Yeah. And at the same uh, time, we're talking religion. I mean, mm. in my case, I'm uh, I've even left the church. I'm uh, yeah. an atheist, and I'm not mm. I'm not Christian in any way. No. Uh, and that's more common that you, if you see some white yeah. guy, uh, white guy, you don't assume oh he's a Christian. No. But if you see a Middle Eastern looking person, you're like oh that's a Muslim. He might yeah. not be. No. You know? He could be Coptic or he could be uh, whatever. Non. No, yeah. Atheist as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a hard topic that could go on for a long time, mm. but and it shouldn't because it's not really about that. But mm. um, politics becomes a part of this business uh, if you are black mm. because you you are forced to take it into account, mm. and it's the same thing if 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 you're a woman mm-hmm. uh, because we wouldn't have had me too. No, no, if right. there was no problem, yeah, if yeah, everything yeah. was fine, there wouldn't be a Me Too. No. But the Me Too movement, I think, is very, very important, especially uh, and in all walks of life. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be yeah. rippling now. I yeah, think, to, to and, and it's like I felt that it was it, it actually um, it was very personal in a way because uh, I think most guys can even if you see yourself as a good guy. Mm we can always reflect on our own behavior yeah. uh, in when we were younger or whatever. Mm, yeah. And so you're like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Oh, that that time. At <laughs> uh, that time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because you feel like, I'm not a rapist. No, mm. uh, I'm not this. And I've never beaten a woman or I've never, you know, done that. Mm. Because that's the first thing you 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 escape to. Mm. That, yeah, I've, I've never abused a woman in that way. But that's not necessarily what they're talking about. Mm, no. uh, it's all that stuff. Uh, let's say if you're talking about, let's talk about, let's have a subject like directors, and what, and you're 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 talking to a female friend, mm. and you talk about directors, and not not specifically any specific person, and then you say the word he, immediately mm. that's you assume that the director has to be a, a guy. Or if you're talking about, yeah, the builders are coming tomorrow. I don't know what what he's going to do. How do you know it's a guy? Ugh, come on, it's, it, 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 it has to be a guy. You know? Yeah, most, likely, if, yeah, most likely, yeah. Yeah, and I remember when uh, our fridge gave out, mm. like a year ago. Mm. And uh, the new fridge was going to come or whatever. And I opened the door and it was a woman there. Oh, right, nice. And my reaction was that, oh. Yeah, <laughs> Instead yeah. of, hello, come on in. Yeah. And there was a woman right. there. Yeah. And she was going to measure and blah, 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 because the new fridge is going to fit or whatever. Mm. And she came in, she had all the tools and stuff. And my first reaction was like, oh, oh. instead of, hello, yeah. come on in. Mm. And then I realized, God damn it. <laughs> no, but if, yeah. I mean, you can't be blamed for that because no. she's one in a hundred. Yeah. If, if that even. Mm. So statistically, yeah. sure, you're going to be surprised. Yeah. But uh, I did something way worse just mm. a week ago. I think. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm friends with uh, somebody who works in a museum. Okay. And, uh, and she was mentioning... Uh, some artist, mm. and I helped the artist with this, this, this. Mm. Okay, and I said, oh, "Okay, but well, what, what did he do?" She was like, "He, mm. yeah, uh, shit." <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say he? He was no. an art. There was an artist. Yeah, Could be. Was an artist. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Could've... that's like fifty-fifty. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's that's uh, yeah because that's that's always like a because you feel like the the person in charge has to be a guy. It was a he, but <laughs> yeah, we, we happen to be a he. Yeah. But it's like you you feel like the guy in charge have to be a guy, uh, and um, of course it's not. I mean, uh, when it came to the deliverance uh, person that uh, came to the door, mm. uh, for me it wasn't like a big deal. I don't I don't think she noticed, and I think she gets this all the time, mm. especially if she's coming in to like build something. Mm. But I mm. know like uh, people who are older than we are. It's like a, a a man in his sixties. He orders, you know, he wants a new floor, mm. and three women come over. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys, they start mansplaining there immediately. Sure. Like, oh, little legumman, you know, car mm-hmm. baby. Mm. Uh, are you sure you can handle that on your own? You know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm, yeah. Because that's that generation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now I'm being really uh, generalizing against, yeah, 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 you know, because yeah. I know there are really good guys in that generation yeah, sure. as well. Yeah. But it's like, uh, and uh, I think with the Me Too thing, uh there has been a shift and the um, which means that women have had enough enough mm, yeah, with yeah, bullshit yeah, yeah. enough yeah. with casting couches and mm-hmm, you know uh hands under skirts and mm. stuff and i have to say that and it's because i'm a guy i haven't seen much of it mm. i uh, haven't when i when i've been working in big casts or whatever mm. we even noticed maybe no and mm. And there's 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 uh, one of the girls uh, you work with, and all of a sudden she says, "What do you think about the guy directing the show?" Mm-hmm. This is actually something that happened mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, "What do you think of the guy who's directing the show?" And I was like, oh, "He's an all right dude." You know, he grabs me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is a girl I used to um, uh, go home with on the subway yeah. after after the show, yeah, yeah. and we used to talk a lot and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's still in the business as well. Uh, and she said, "You know, he uh, he he feels me up and stuff, mm. and he uh, tries to get me on a date and shit." Mm. I was like, "What? Isn't he married?" I know, mm. but he, he he seems like an okay guy. I know, I know that that's the thing. I don't know what to say to him. Yeah, and he tries to like grab me and mm. and he's the boss. So yeah, he's one of yeah. the. I mean, he's the fucking MD of the show. Mm. Yeah. So there we have it with the the power over somebody else. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um, now I'm thinking about. It. I'm not sure he was the MD, but one of the musician yeah, guys, yeah, mm-hmm. prominent guys mm-hmm. in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and uh, that was for me. That was like an alarm bell. I I could never see that person in the same light ever again. Sure. No. And I had to swear to her never to you know say anything about who it was or whatever. Mm. Uh, so that's why I'm not, you know, because that would be weird. So th- it is going on, and mm. I mean, a lot of those st- the story. I don't know if you've read the stories on Facebook from women in our business. I went to uh, one of those uh, readings uh, where the yeah. w- women on stage read each other's stories. Mm. Uh, mm. That was super interesting, but also mm. very, you know, uh, nasty too. Yeah, the the. The mood uh, was uh, really uh, palpable, and it makes it made me even if, as I such you say, I I am not that kind of guy or whatever. Mm. Uh, it made me really ashamed as well. Yeah, yeah. because there's so many times that this. I mean, some of those stories could have been right behind my back. Yeah, sure. Without me seeing it, mm. or me actually seeing something and not realizing what it was. Mm. Uh, because you know what it's like in our business, people. 
sit in each other's lap and they massage each other before the show mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. are really close and uh, hug mm-hmm. each other and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's a great place to be if you're a predator. I suppose. Yeah, uh, because you can go in under the disguise of being a friend mm. and abuse that friendship and power mm. that you have mm. later on. Mm. And especially if there's like a, a woman or even, it could even be men mm. who are maybe new to the business or they want to prove themselves or whatever. Mm. And I can't imagine when I was new and I'm, a, you know, when I was new in the business and I know how vulnerable I was and how lonely that could be. Mm. If I had been through something like that, would I still be in the business? Mm. I'm not sure. No. But a lot of these women, they have been through this, not once, not twice, maybe three times, maybe more, yeah, yeah. and they're still in it. Yeah. And that's just some sort of strength. Yeah, sure. Uh, mm. That I just, it's, it's such a respect. And it's also mm. really sad mm. Uh, that that's what they have to face. Yeah. Going to work and you don't know, will that person leave me alone today or can mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm, work? Mm. Or will I end up with a hand up my butt cheeks? Almost like having a bully in school. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you always have to kind of, when that person comes, you have to make sure that you're never alone with that person. Uh, yeah. Uh, or you kind of, you take your stuff and you go to your dressing room with your mates mm. instead of sitting in the green room because you're in the green room or the canteen, mm. that person always sits next to you and puts his hand on you. Mm. Hey, how are you doing? And I mean, I can't imagine what that must be like. I don't know. Uh, so it's, I think that's one of the major kind of changes in our business in later years is this, mm. Me Too. And it's going to be, hopefully, will be talked about for a long time. Mm. Because I think men, uh, and even some women, uh, very few, but there are some, uh, who pretend that this doesn't exist. They need to learn this lesson. They need to hear about it. And even if you and I, if we see each other as good dudes or whatever, mm. we need to hear it mm. too. Yeah. Because we're not always good dudes, <laughs> I guess. No, and we need uh, to be aware. Yeah. At, uh, at least. Uh, and I feel it's very interesting. Um that they, it's just, it's especially around Christmas and at, around New Year's, mm. it was so obvious that women all over the world mm. had had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had enough with your, with the guys, with the dudes and the... Mm. Well, like, they had had enough for yeah, a long time. A long time, but now something happened. It. Yeah, exactly. So first now it's the was, time. To it say. became so obvious that, all right, now you, you, you're going to have to listen now. Yeah, I'm not going to be the one... Uh, troublesome woman no because uh, we are now thousands so yeah. it, it was the time yeah. yeah and and i also think that some some men are very afraid right now because of what they have done sure yeah and it will surface yeah. yeah there are some people that you feel like oh it's been one of my uh, idols for a long time mm. and then it shows that this guy has done it too mm. and they go yeah but it was a different time yes and now mm. you have to answer for it yeah mm. Now you have to now. Nobody called you, took you into account then, mm. but we're doing it now. Mm. So now you have to answer for what you did. Yeah, which got to be very hard if you feel like you have changed with the times yes. since then. Yeah, and like, but it's, I'm not that guy anymore. No, you know. and I think I, I saw this thing with Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, uh, from when he in the '90s mm. when he was uh, 
he had a lot of like he was doing a lot of things with alcohol and mm-hmm. parties and stuff and mm-hmm. he admitted that he had been a bit weird mm. with women mm. and he had a lot of jokes on stage which were very very sexist mm. and he has apologized for it um a lot mm. and he's he is one person who uses his voice and his power to go out and say that this behavior should not be condoned mm. uh, and i've been that guy mm-hmm. i'm not that guy anymore but i've been that guy and i'm really sorry for what i did i know now what i did then was mm. very very wrong mm. and i think some people you know will try to stand in line behind him and do this before someone else calls it into question mm. because if someone else does it before you that's a problem mm. because then you it's hard to get in front of something that you didn't yeah yeah, yeah. i'm spartacus yeah exactly i'm spartacus and after that you get crucified and if you deserve it you know it's like Mm. yeah now but it's uh i digress it was uh it's an interesting um part yeah uh to talk about because i feel it's important Mm, yeah yeah, absolutely yeah but book of mormon who are you playing one of the ugandans i play one of the ugandans and i play uh the father of the main character Uh uh-huh his name is mafala hatimbi Mm mm-hmm and he's the father of Nabulungi, the uh, main protagonist, mm-hmm. female protagonist. And uh, he is a man who, his wife is, is gone, his wife is dead. And he is he's living in a patri- uh, patriarchal society mm. where it's not easy to be a dad without having a wife. Oh, okay. You know, mm. he's, he's a s- single you know, dad mm. uh, raising, a, raising a girl. Mm. Uh, in Uganda, uh, in northern Uganda, to be specific. Okay, all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's very rural. Mm. Uh, we've decided in this show not to go with uh, the um, the mud huts that right. the original version and the, I think the Swedish version have. Oh, okay. This okay. is more like a shanty town, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel is a little bit more up to date. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the scenery is a bit is a little bit more bare mm. than it's not as elaborate as. The, uh, the Swedish version mm-hmm. but we don't have the mud huts and stuff no. uh, a bit but more modern a bit more yeah, edgy it's a bit more rural <laughs> and it's, if, if you look at uh, pictures of what Uganda really looks like there are no mud huts no 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 it's, no. They, no. they used some uh, stereotype yeah. in, in the original I suppose uh, and uh, so uh, he raises his daughter in the spirit of his wife which means that she gets to go to school she gets to learn how to read and he uh instills in her that she should be a free thinker which is dangerous because there is um uh, a general called in the show it's called general but fucking naked <laughs> uh, mm. which is actually there is actually a real a real uh, paramilitary guy mm-hmm. in africa called general but fucking naked okay <laughs> who is or used to be uh, anyway a very dangerous man and uh, huh. and in, mm. in in danish he's called general general Rav fucking noyen Okay, okay. Right, but fucking naked. So you're doing it in Danish? Yeah, yeah, we do it in Danish. All oh, right, yes. right, okay. Because I, I, I thought there were uh, some cast members who only spoke English, but... Uh, uh, no, 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 no. We're, we're, all, we're all, speaking, all speaking Danish. All right. We would right. not be allowed to speak English in, in that show. All no, right. No. Uh, <clears throat> so it's all in Danish. Um, and you, so you had to basically learn some stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of... I wasn't fluent in any way, but I, no. knew, I knew Danish quite well before. Oh, okay, so. you did, yeah. Uh, I did... Um, uh, Dirty Dancing, uh, the musical. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. At um, mm. the Royal Opera last, mm. uh, 2016. Mm. And uh, before that, I mean, I grew up down here. Mm. So I 
you know, you grew up with a lot of Danish TV when you were a kid. So. Yeah, sure. We, we but did. But I wouldn't say that I couldn't speak Danish no. anyway, you know. But it's, it's, it's still a lot of work. And you get some of the uh, the weird kind of uh, sounds that they have mm. in their language kind of for free mm. because you already know kind of all and you yeah, know, all that we, weird stuff. Our guttural way of speaking. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but it's still a challenge, of course, because you have to, you have to convey the drama mm. to Danish people so they understand what you mean and what mm. you say. Mm. And that you have and that I had to work a lot on. Mm, yeah, But yeah. the character is like he uh, he needs to protect his daughter because he he um, raised her to be a free thinker. Mm. But he's also realizing that she is a little bit maybe too free mm-hmm. in a conservative world where there's a general running around trying to circumcise young women uh-huh. by force, mm. uh, it becomes very dangerous. And uh, so he has to kind of protect her. He tries to make her stay home. And uh, it's, it's, it's good that you can read. It's good that you know all these things. But we don't have the tools to get rid of the general. Mm. Every time the village tries to rise above, the general comes with his guards and slaps them down because they don't have any weapons or there's no police force who can help them. Mm. Uh, the general is the only law. And the general mm. also mm. says that in the show. Mm. There's just there's just one law you have to obey and it's my law. Mm. And uh, doing that character is like you have to to kind of work against the stereotype. Mm. You have to do everything. You can't go in and go for laughs uh-huh. because that doesn't work. Mm. You have to do everything for real. Mm. Uh, he is truly afraid that something terrible could happen to his daughter. He could lose his daughter if he doesn't control her properly mm. without hurting her or whatever. He's not an abusive man. Mm. Uh, and he also says in one of the singing numbers, he also mentions that she is the only thing I have in this world. Mm. And if you try anything with my daughter, I will give you AIDS. Mm-hmm. You know? So they're also um, working uh, towards the, uh, uh, the big scourge in many African countries, which is AIDS. Yeah. And we are not talking about... So some of the criticism about the show is that, oh, they're making jokes about the AIDS epidemic. That's wrong. Mm. The characters in the show are not making jokes about it. They're telling... They're, they're informing the audience that this is a problem. Yeah. And then, but in a funny way, yeah, they're yeah. doing it in a funny way. Mm. But it's still the funny way to do it is by telling people, "Fuck you, we mm. have AIDS." Mm. And in the context of the show, it becomes funny. Mm. But it's they're not dancing around in funny hats, talk, singing about AIDS and laughing. That's not what, no. what they do. And that wouldn't be funny. No, that wouldn't yeah. be funny. The funny bit become it becomes funny because of the context of the show. Mm. And because the Mormons are there, mm. the Mormons arrive in the village and they believe that Africa is like the Lion King. Yeah. They mm. expect to see a giraffe and, mm. and they're, you know, and when they're, they're, when they're flying down there, they're, they're thinking about singing Africans and, you know, pride mm-hmm. rock. Mm-hmm. And then they get there and there's a dead donkey in the street or whatever. And, mm. and when they get to the airport, there's a dead donkey. Uh, and, uh, Mafala, my character, he greets them and takes them to the village. Mm. And at the airport, they get their baggage stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they ask Mafala, say, shouldn't we get to the police? I mean, come on, they, they just stole our luggage. Mm. And all he says, like, okay, uh, 
that's, you know, the police are in Kampala. That's a two-day car trip away. <laughs> and by the way, the only police around here is the general. Mm. And he's the guy who stole your stuff. So let's go to the village. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, hmm. So it's, it's uh, and then when they get there, uh, Mafala sings an entire song about saying fuck you to God. Hasadiga mm-hmm. Ibuwai. Mm-hmm. That's what he says, and, mm-hmm. and they and they think it's like, oh, is that like Hakuna Matara? Yeah, in a way. <laughs> and then when they find out what it actually means, they get really scared. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, we we how many times have we said it? Thirteen mm-hmm. times. <laughs> and uh, that's what's funny mm-hmm. that they are completely steamrolled by mm-hmm. the Africans because mm-hmm. the Ugandans are they're mad and they feel powerless of their situation. You come in here and you you're trying to tell us that everything's going to be all right if we accept your book. Mm. Mm. But this is what Africa really is. This is what it can be. Mm. Uh, we all love each other. We all have a great heritage and we're proud of it. But this is our problem. We have AIDS and uh, we are very hungry and our water is poisoned and we can get weird maggots in our scrotum if we're not careful. Mm. It's a it's a dangerous world sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's why. We say, fuck you, God. Mm-hmm. And they go, what? You can't say that. Of course we can. Yeah. Why shouldn't we? <laughs> There's a guy in here who tried to have sex with a baby because he believes that his AIDS will be cured if mm. he has sex with a baby. Yeah. That's what he believes. Mm. Why? Horrific. Because there are no virgins left in the village. Mm. And it's not meant to be funny. It's just the truth. Mm. Uh, and that's something I really had to work on. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't become the wrong thing because mm-hmm. it's so easy to tip the scale. Mm. So it becomes ridiculous. And you don't. what you don't want with that show is a lot of uh, white people in the audience, a thousand white people every night laughing at stupid Africans. No. Because that would be the wrong way to do that show. Mm. What you want them to do is reflect on their own view of what Africa and or Uganda is. And, oh, yeah, that's... That's how I see it sometimes. When someone says Africa, mm. I think of Nature Channel, Lion King, and starving babies. But to tell them that Africa can be so much more, there's full of people who have pride, uh, who wants a better world for themselves and mm. their children, mm. uh, who don't want war, mm. who are afraid at night, uh, mm. but who st- they still have their friends and their families, and they love each other, uh, and they take care of each other. That's the message of this show. Mm. And I've had this discussion with um, uh, uh, black people in, in Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't that show very racist? And I said, no, it's not. If done mm-hmm. right, it's not a racist show. Of course, mm. I wouldn't be in that show if it was racist. No. If I had gone there and I felt, oh my God, this show is really fucking racist, I would be, I can't do this. Mm. I would leave because I'm very sensitive to these things. Yeah. I would leave. Mm. I would say like, okay, this is what it's like. If it doesn't change, I can't be in it. Mm. But uh, since the discussion with the um, production has always been very open mm. uh, and we have been able to load our characters with our own experiences and our own passions, uh, it becomes... A whole nother beast. Mm, mm. Uh, and you can see it on people who go to see the show, both black people, white people, or Asians, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, even Mormons. Mm. 
mm. like the show. I've uh, spoken to yeah. the Mormons outside. Yeah, you have. Okay. Yeah, and because they come up afterwards, how was the show? And it was nice. I said, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it twice already. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Don't you get offended? So, no, I think it's really funny, and it also mm. forces us to think about what mm. we do. Yeah, yeah. And it makes us. It's. It actually one of the girls that I talked to. She said it actually strengthened my faith uh-huh. to watch the show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because there are some things that you do that is completely ridiculous, mm-hmm. and of course I know there are there are some of my peers become angry uh, when we. I mean, we do have um, the prophet Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. He's actually fucking a frog okay. in the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's fucking a frog uh, in the show uh, because he uh, because there's a story about him wanting to cure his AIDS with a baby. And everybody says, no, 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 you can't do that because that would be against Jesus. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we should give you a frog. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets a frog and he has sex with a frog. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was one yeah. of the main problems the Mormon said. They say, yeah, our prophet doesn't fuck frogs. It's against Jesus. It's against that's, Jesus. That's the reason why you wouldn't. Yeah, because it doesn't work. It, that's the joke. <laughs> that's a you joke don't have. That's the that's the weird thing with the joke about having when when he says, "Okay, where in the book does it says that you can't have sex with a baby?" Uh, nowhere. <laughs> and then you say, "Like, okay, well, it's it's against Jesus, and you know why? Because having sex with a baby to get rid of AIDS doesn't work. Here's a frog instead." <laughs> So which doesn't yeah. work either, but no. there you go. Well, yeah, yeah you, mm. it's animal cruelty yeah. uh, instead. Uh, so that's that's kind of the thing that the Mormons didn't enjoy uh, sure. with the show. I mm. we were kind of watching the first time we when we had like a one of the first shows we had with uh, with an audience. Mm. Uh, the Mormon president of Denmark and his mm-hmm. wife and some of the other Mormons were there, mm-hmm. and we had already had a meeting with them because they were curious and they wanted to tell tell us about real Mormonism. Okay, it was very interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Where it's weird evening, uh, and uh, <laughs> they were there, and they were laughing and having fun. Mm. And then when we came to that number, mm-hmm. the Mormon president was like, mm. Mm. he wasn't really enjoying himself. Yeah, no, His no. wife was a bit like like mm. this, mm. and yeah. she, she was kind of having fun. I get the, mm. and they've been back to the show like twice. Okay, at, at least once. I mean, I've, I've seen them at least once mm. uh, being back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also know that they kind of supervise the uh, handing out of books after the show. Uh-huh. And they're always there, almost always there. I don't know if they're there during matinees, but they're there on uh, on uh, like uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. And they hand out, I think they hand out a lot of books. How many are they in uh, Denmark? Oh, I don't know how many they are, but there's they're not few. Okay. There's, there's quite a lot of them, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, it's not one of the bigger church, but it's... They're a substantial amount mm. of Mormons. Right. And uh, the Mormon president have been there. And especially interesting for the guy who plays the Mormon president in the show, mm-hmm. got to meet the real Mormon president during the meeting. Sure. Okay. I was like, mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we talked. And then he said, who's playing the... Is, is there a Mormon president in, in the show? Yes, there is. Who's playing the Mormon president? Mm-hmm. And then Kim Hammersvang, mm-hmm. an actor, he said, like, I'm playing the Mormon president. Oh, you're playing the... Oh, you have to shave off your beard. Yeah, this is for another show. I'm going to shave myself before uh, the opening yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good. Cause mm. they got to be clean cut. Yeah, yeah. they have to be clean cut. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, and then there was another guy uh, in the show who is tall, blonde actor called Christian Lund. Mm-hmm. And I said, so are you playing a Mormon too? Yes, I am. So, so. And, and he was very clean cut mm-hmm. every day. He's a very clean guy. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, you would be a good Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank I you. guess. Like, uh, and, all, and, and, you know, all the black cast was like, mm. <laughs> 
And uh, but it was fun. I mean, we still have a good dialogue with them, mm. and I don't think there are any hard feelings. Uh, and every time we meet them after the show, uh, if they come up to talk to us and stuff because they're curious, mm. uh, they're always happy and very courteous. Uh, they're never threatening in any way, mm. uh, and you basically have a good time with them. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't want to be a Mormon myself, uh, but it's it's interesting that they. I mean, I don't know what they what they're talking about behind closed doors, but I do mi- I mm. do know that they are taking advantage of the show. Yeah, well, obviously out. they do. Yeah. yeah, all over the world where this show is playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mormonism is getting a really really good exposure. Huh. Even in the States? Yeah, even in the oh, States. Right, okay. I mean, they're yeah. always outside uh, the theater in, on Broadway as well, handing out books. Oh. And they do it in Stockholm as well, I know, for mm. a fact that mm. they do that. And uh, I never met a Mormon, so I don't know right? how many there are. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, basically it's the guys you see in white shirts and the little elder badge, the black badge that are biking around the city. I actually may have met them then, because yeah. I think a couple of those guys have stopped me on the, in the street. Surely and, you must and, have and met the, them, yeah. But I think they just wanted to talk about Jesus or something. But, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's what they want to talk about. Okay, and don't, they don't want to talk about Joseph Smith? They want to talk about uh, Joseph Smith. Okay, oh, they lead into Joseph Smith. Yeah. yeah. You might have heard about this Jesus guy, but yeah. you, Did you have also, you heard about this guy? Yeah. Did you also know that Jesus went to America? Uh, exactly. And that's like, that's where I kind of, oh, okay, that's, okay, that, that's, that's <laughs> enough. Because all of, their, all of their faith is based on the fact that uh, uh, two um, Jewish tribes mm. went to America in ancient times mm. and they battled over there and um, one of the uh, prophets, Mormon, mm. he he uh, gave his son Moroni golden plates mm. of text and he buried it and then in 1823 a man uh, called Joseph Smith found the golden plates in his backyard yeah but you can only read them like in uh, yeah with, with some kind of stone or whatever yeah, or something he, strange he, like and, that and he wasn't allowed to show them to anyone no 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 of course not he just yeah. wrote, only he could yeah. read them yeah. only he is allowed mm-hmm. to see the golden plates and <laughs> and he uh, had to write it down on a piece of paper mm. to show everybody else mm. and actually there was a fun fact uh one of the uh one of his followers his uh, the follower's wife mm. got suspicious, mm-hmm. and she took the translation and she hid it, and she told him and she told Joseph Smith to go back home and translate it again, yeah, yeah, yeah. so she could compare it. Yeah, sure. Of course, he couldn't do that. So what he did was he wrote something completely new, mm. and uh, told her that the angel Moroni had given him new golden plates. Yep. <laughs> How convenient! Yeah, and she did not like that. No, but his, his mm. her uh, husband uh, berated her and said, "Like, oh, leave him alone. It's it's true." Mm. And she must have been like, "Oh, fuck. <laughs> so silly, <You> stupid." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. So it's, mm. I mean, if it had been in modern day, she would have divorced the guy. Probably, yes. yeah. Because mm. it's like he was like, "You're my wife, and damn it, you're going to listen to uh, me." Yeah, sure. All right, well, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fun show. Uh, and I think next to uh, Jerry Spring of the Opera, I think it's the craziest, craziest show I've been in. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah, know, you've been in some crazy shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've done some crazy stuff. And it's also fun. I mean, when you're doing something, I'm sure you recognize this. When, you're, when you remind yourself, when you're dressed, when you're uh, employed to do a really crazy job that you find funny mm. and entertaining, and... You're in your getup, your stage gear, or if, if you're going on, on set mm. and you're wearing this weird rooster costume or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing, and you look and you happen to look into a mirror and you go like, 
This is what it boiled down to. All of those years. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm in this costume uh, with a beard made out of plastic bags. And someone is paying me to go on stage mm-hmm. and do this night mm-hmm. after night. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Exactly. Uh, mm. And I know it's um, I, uh, a friend of mine. She works in, uh, I think she's a um, vice principal at a school mm. here. Uh, we went to uh, elementary school together a mm-hmm. long, long time ago, mm. and we didn't speak for years and years. Mm. And now we're talking on on Facebook sometimes. Mm. And uh, she still lives in Trelleborg. She's married and mm-hmm. have kids and stuff. And uh, now and then we, you know, we talk on Facebook. And it's like how different our lives have become. Mm-hmm. And I sent her a picture. This is what I wear to work. Mm-hmm. It's like a big, colorful dashiki mm-hmm. and a lot of Africans around me. And it's like, mm-hmm. and they're all dressed up in weird costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sent me a, a photo of her and her colleague wearing like school attire. Yep. So this is this is me in my office and. Oh, so that's you. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a contrast. Difference. Yeah, it's a bit of a contrast right there. And it's it's fun because uh, you're all since you're also in this business, you also know that uh, just like every other business nowadays, it's not an easy gig. No. Uh, it can be a long time between jobs if you're uh, lucky. Yeah. And you can get jobs that you absolutely hate, but you have to take them. Mm. Uh, and uh, sometimes there's money in it then sometimes you feel that I should have gotten that job and it goes to someone else yes or whatever but now and again you get to do jobs that are so monumentally uh, entertaining Mm. and they they give you so much Mm. that it's like "Ah, screw all those tough periods in my life this made it all worth it Mm. Mm. Uh, and I feel that way Almost every time mm. I go on stage, mm. not always. Sometimes no. you're not on on par with yourself. No, no, no sure. You're no. outside of your own body, and outside that show becomes a yeah. weird show. Yeah. But it's still. I got to do this again. Yeah, that feeling. Yeah. yeah, and especially if you're in a, uh, when you come in on a Saturday and it's double shows, mm. and you come in and you know, okay, I'm gonna have to. No matter what's gonna happen now, I still have to do it one more time mm. later on. Yeah. That's draining. Yeah, and then when you go in, like like on last Saturday, for instance, mm. uh, I wasn't feeling it when I came in. It was snowing and cold, and I wanted to stay in bed. I was really tired, and I got into work, and uh, we were behind stage before the music starts, mm. and then the music starts, and you hear the first row first second and third row because you can see the the md on a tv screen mm, mm, and mm. the first second row kind of you can see them behind mm. and as soon as the music starts the people start cheering and applauding yeah, yeah, yeah. and laughing mm. and, and then you bum, get bum, that energy yeah, yeah. you yeah. get that energy. energy from them and we were yeah. like oh my god and we had an amazing matinee yeah we start at three o'clock man mm, mm. and you go on and they just give you that energy from the beginning mm. and they're having we were having a party with the audience mm, mm. for two and a half hours. Mm. And it, it, I mean, it totally burns you out, but mm. it was so much fun. Mm. It was such a tight show. And at, at the end, the audience is like, they're laughing and they're hugging them. Uh, they're hugging each other and they're laughing and they're screaming yeah, and waving yeah. at us. Mm. And then you go the same again. So now we're going to have to do this all over again. But you go, 
we actually get to do this twice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have that stage health thing exactly. that, like, you, as soon as you get up there, then you mm. you're just in it and you do it, and you're not tired, you're not sick, you're not. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you get to work with. Uh, I've been fortunate, and I I, ha- I feel I have to say this because I mean, this is like a, an an, uh, an actor's dream to come in and talk for two hours about themselves, <laughs> but it's like you yeah. talk about other people is is even more fun. I mean, mm. for me, it's like I've had the fortune i've been very fortunate to uh work with extremely talented people mm. uh all my working life i've been surrounded by people who knew more than i knew mm. uh, who were willing to teach me uh about life not just work because mm. work in our world work is life mm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in in many in every sense of the word oh yeah Okay. Uh, for me, anyway, and I, and I no, no, I agree. Because I know you're a very passionate guy. Uh, it's work is is life, and they have you know, old friends. I still have a lot of the old friends from when I went to Ballet Academy, or when I went to Erdang, or when I was at mm-hmm. uh, uh, Royal College in Stockholm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we still talk. We still inspire each other. We still follow each other on Facebook and watch each other's shows mm. if we can. Mm. Uh, we go in and we comment on what people are doing. And some people, a lot of those people, they're doing fantastic projects and mm, mm. amazing stuff. And instead of sometimes it could be like, oh, why are they get to do that? And why does he get to do that? And I don't get, don't get to do anything. Uh, it's easy to be to become that way when you watch Facebook and everybody seems successful. Mm. But it's also important, I think, to see that instead of being like... Uh, feeling of envy and because it's really easy to be that guy mm. and i always try to think about how they inspire me some of my mm. friends oh yeah, yeah i see like some people they are oh, they have sold out concerts or whatever mm. in their hometowns or some guy a really good friend of mine um who's also from scani we went to ballet academy together uh-huh. he uh produced uh um a comedy play uh, a farce Mm. in Krikwansta mm-hmm. uh, with some of his other friends from mm. that time. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people coming in to watch it and I haven't had time to watch it yet because I've been doing my own yeah, thing. Sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm sh- and I've always known him to be very, very funny and talented mm. and to see he's actually, he's doing his own productions now. He's a mm. producer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure if he's directing it but he's in the show as well. Yeah. And he's a producer now. Mm. He's one of those guys that we would look up to and say like, hey, guy, you know, would be great to know him because mm. maybe I can get a job with the guy. Mm. And now he's doing it himself. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, I have friends who come in and it's like, I've been to the movies today, Robert. Oh, yeah? What did you see? You. Mm. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. We, we we bought tickets and we went mm. to see your the movie. Or, the Yard. Or yeah, whatever. the Yard. Exactly. Yeah. The Yard. Uh and I said, oh, really? I said, why didn't you tell me? No, just, you know, we, we wanted to go to the movies. And mm. we said, I want to see that film. Yeah. Uh, and I said, oh, my God, Robert's in it. Uh, and we didn't know you were in it mm-hmm. when we bought the tickets. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then there are people who went to see the film because I was in it, of course. But mm. uh, this person actually wrote to me afterwards. I had no idea you were in it. So I said, I know that guy. Mm. That's Robert. I went to school with that guy. And it's like, and it's inspiring to see that... Uh, your friends are doing stuff. Uh, one of my friends is the, um, uh, uh, she wrote, she co-wrote one of the songs in uh, this year's Eurovision. Mm. Uh, 
the one from uh, Jon Lundvik's song. I think they came in third. Okay. The black guy singing. And she was the co-writer of that song. Mm. And I know her very well uh, since uh, Ballet Academy. She went to Ballet Academy with me. Mm-hmm. And I know she's been fighting and writing music and, you know, doing her thing for such a... She's working at Volmans and all that stuff. She's mm-hmm. been touring, doing backup singing or whatever mm. for 18 years, man. Mm. She fought. Mm. And now it... You know, it came to fruition, and they came in, I think, third or fourth or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is like, wow. That's about the the amount of time it takes to to get somewhere yeah. in this business. Yeah, you, and it's like you, you I was realize that yeah. I was so impressed by her drive. Mm. I mean, she has two kids and a private life and all of that stuff. It's really inspiring to follow your your buddies and just go like. She actually did that. Yeah, yeah. I remember we were in. Uh, she came in and she sang back up, and I had a home studio when I was mm. when we were in Gothenburg a long time ago. And uh, she came in uh, and one afternoon to just sing some backup on one of the tracks I'd written. Mm. A song never got anywhere, but no, well. uh, you know. And she sang backup on that song. I remember we were together in there, and she recorded it with me. Uh, and now she's in Eurovision and written, mm, mm. you know her own song, and mm. it's a guy doing that and being great at it and yeah. I was like wow yeah like you're saying envy can be uh, mm. inspiring you know? yeah. yeah and uh, almost the same thing sometimes exactly and yeah. it's like it's great to say I mean were you uh, doing this thing it's an honor to be invited oh cool uh, yeah well, it's it's great to you feel that way yeah of course I mean it's it's a great thing to to uh, come in and and uh, sit down and talk about stuff yeah yeah I think to round it all off I think it's um, I love this business mm. Uh, I love what I do, even when I don't get to do it. And when I don't get to do it, I try to do it anyway Mm, uh, with my own stuff. Mm. And with, as you say, with film, for instance, I I started my own uh, kind of... Yeah, you had the filmatic. Yeah, the filmatic with where uh, actors come in and they can work, Mm. you know, in... um, Work on film acting, yeah, self-taping techniques, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And you, got, you got some like stage combat situation Yeah, we have that on. too. Yeah. With uh, they, they get to um, try weapons. out weapons yeah. and stuff like that for film, uh, and they get to do that like every month. Uh, sorry, every every week, mm. once every week, and that's three hours or something mm-hmm. every week mm. for like eight or ten weeks. Mm. Uh, and it's not really that I am a teacher mm-hmm. coming in. Uh, it's not really about that. I think the strength of it is that people get to come in and work on what they need to work on. Yeah, you we, supply workshops. I supply and, the workshop mm. space and the technique, uh, the technology, mm. uh, the equipment, yeah. cameras, lighting, all that stuff, mm. and your skills and know-how. Yes, mm. that's what I supply, and then they can work on what we decide what we need to work on, mm. and like, if it's movement or. Uh, Angles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, mm. or uh, just uh, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, working with, uh, with dialogue. the microphone. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Working with dialogue or working with uh, visual storytelling. What's the difference mm. between doing a scene like this, sitting down, mm. talking heads? Mm. Most sometimes, or most of the time, we work, we start with a scene like this, oh, yeah. and then we do it on the floor. Mm. What happens if we add movement, add camera movement, the actors get to do stuff. Mm. Like if uh, your main mission is to find out what the other guy wants, 
but you also have to finish an email mm. on your computer and you need to send that email. That's important. Mm. And then someone comes in and wants you to talk about something else mm. and you have to kind of leave that mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. time, but still keep, you know, mm. and there's movement around and maybe we'll, we would start with shooting a scene in on the couch. Mm. And then we would shoot the scene with you fixing coffee and running around. Uh, and the other guy is running around the, the apartment as well. And you have to do all the things with blocking, where mm, the actors mm. are going to walk, camera angles. And then you watch those scenes together. Mm. Which one is more cinematic? Which one is more interesting? Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And not necessarily which one has the best acting. Because that's mm. always up to the people who watch it. Mm. And we always have the discussions... What do you think? You who did it mm, mm, just now. Mm. Which scene speaks most to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's not about really about me saying that was bad mm. or that was good mm. because that's just, let's just explore. Yeah, that, yeah, because that's not interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, telling someone that they're bad actors can destroy a career. Yeah, so, yeah. Who am I to tell someone that mm. they're a bad actor? Mm. It's it's not about that. It's about them doing it and get to doing it again mm. and again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first time they try it, they're off mark. Maybe they're moving around too much and yeah. the yeah. follow focus can't focus on their eyes yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. you got to be aware of all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the next time they do it, it's more steady. The acting is more secure mm. because they know where to look. Mm. And they know how to watch something, for uh, for instance. They know how to hit their mark without going... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Looking down, yeah. Like that. And, you know, mm. that you find your own techniques. But you only get to do that if you get to work on it several times. Mm. And if you're, in, if you're on set, you barely get to do that. Mm. Because you go in, they shoot it a couple of times, and then you're out of there. Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, mm. you get to come in maybe a day before and rehearse have a reading mm. but that's i mean if you're rolf lascord or a famous actor you may get to do that yeah and you may otherwise, get a rehearsal just before the take yeah uh, that's a more, otherwise more it's common. just walk and talk yeah and uh, it's done when the director thinks it's it's fine yeah that might not be the same thing as you think it's fine. no you just have to trust <laughs> yeah. the process yeah but in that uh workspace on the film attic workspace we can work maybe two weeks mm. on the same scene in different ways mm. and we maybe kind of switch out the actors after a while mm. and then the other actors who are there they get to do sound mm. or the mic yeah, the yeah, boom yeah. mic mm. uh, or they get to operate the camera even mm. b photo or That's a photo great. so you become become yeah. aware of what the other people have to do to yeah. make this work and they yeah. also get mm-hmm. to be you know uh scripta or whatever yeah uh, a script supervisor yeah, yeah script supervisor and you get to uh, keeping like okay you gotta hold this with the right hand and then you took it with your left yeah. mm. and you drank there mm. and so they get to write down stuff and be aware mm. and the people who don't do that they watch the screen mm. they don't just sit there because if they don't do anything Mm. this happens yeah yeah they pick up the phone and yeah <laughs> selfies with the cameras and stuff <laughs> sure and that's fine yeah uh, for a minute yeah, yeah for a few minutes we i mean they get their you know uh selfie moments mm. at the end of the at the mm. end of the mm. class mm. they can mm. take pictures mm. but what i want them to do is either watch actively mm. the screen what happens mm. what's the difference between a camera zooming in and a camera doing a dolly shot yeah yeah 
That's very it different. could seem like the same thing, but it's not. No, no, no. Two no. very different things. Yeah, assume is not cinematic. No, and no, that's that's more like a documentary. Yeah, but it's it's in, interesting to see that when the actors are finished uh, with the workshop, uh, hopefully, uh, or with the feedback I've gotten, they are more aware of uh, what the other roles around the set are. They are also aware of the fact that the camera is not dangerous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they can also be a bit technical because you see that if the camera has a 50 millimeter Mm. uh, lens and you know what kind of crop lens, Mm. uh, crop sensor the camera has, Mm. you know, okay, 50 millimeter on a GH4 means that I have this amount of space. So they don't have to worry about, am I in frame? Mm -hmm. They know that if I do this, my arm's going to be cut off right here yeah. the elbow it starts to become kind of intu- intuitive yeah so they know that and yeah. i saw that when we were doing we made a um uh, a teaser trailer for a tv series i was, I was that i'm writing uh-huh. and we had uh, marie rickelson mm-hmm. actress from uh, vanilla sky mm-hmm. uh she was in that uh played one played the villain actually oh yeah uh, it was really cool. Uh, I asked her uh, when we were doing Dirty Dancing mm. if she wanted mm. to be in it, and she said yes. Mm. And she came along, and you could see immediately that she knew when the camera was at a certain distance from mm. her. Mm. She knew, okay, so you're there. Does that mean you are you gonna do like a yes, yes? We will do that. Okay. Mm. So if I go the other way, that means you're gonna get this side of my face, mm. and you're gonna. Can I just and, and I can lean in like this over the table mm. about to about here mm. and then we're like, yeah, mm. okay, let's do that. Mm. And she did it and was like, one take and that was perfect, okay, perfect, brilliant. Thank you. Yep, yep. Mm. And she just did her thing and she was done and she could go. Mm. And it was like learn from the professionals because yeah, they pro. they know mm. what they're doing. Mm. And it was really interesting to see how she was aware of the acting bits mm. and the technical bits mm. without letting them getting you in the way of each other. Mm. Instinctively, she just went, okay, I know that the camera's going to do that, uh, yeah. which means that mm. I do this and it will be cinematic. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Mm. Hey, well, I, I guess I got to let you go. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much for coming. And thank uh, you. yeah, you're going to be in Book of Mormon for a while longer. Yes. Until we are, as it is now, we're going to go until the 25th of, 27th of May. Okay. Mm. Might be. We might go on until the 19th of June, but for now it's 27th of May. Mm. In which theater? It's at Denis Theater, the new theater mm. in Copenhagen. Mm. And we we play from Wednesdays till Sundays. Mm. All right. Yes. And otherwise, where do we find you on social media and stuff? On social media, you can find me on uh, Robert Bengtsson Film and Music mm. uh, on Instagram. And if you... Uh, uh, if you go on Facebook and you look at the film attic, yeah, you can find my um, film workshops in Stockholm. Yeah. Yes. Great. Okay. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much, Peter. Right. Bye. Okay, we got into a lot of interesting stuff there. Please check out next episode, which will be out in two weeks' time, as usual. And until next time, don't assume the gender behind a job title. See ya.